0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at DynastyFreaks.com or email DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty and I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I am a dynasty freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long story. Anyways, I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode 50. This is episode number 50. Kind of feels like a little bit of a benchmark. You know that we've been talking, if you've been following the last few weeks, I've said that now that OTAs are over, we're in what I call this dead period between organized team activities or OTAs and training camps. So it's kind of this silent period. And during that period, I take the time to take all the little small nuggets of news that we learned, a little bit of things that we can learn during OTAs. I took all that and then reshuffled my rankings and they're kind of set now uh, for the time being until preseason or really until uh, training camps start and more news comes out that would affect player value. So during this period, what I wanted to do is I took my independent rankings. I just did this all on my own without looking at any other website or any, drawing any comparisons. And then what I like to do when I'm finally finished is I like to look at my rankings and compare them with the guys at Dynasty League Football. If you don't follow Dynasty League Football, you should subscribe and to their website for sure. Uh, wonderful analysts that provide a lot of great data for, for Dynasty League owners. I love their website, and one of the things I like to do when I compare my rankings to them is because they have consensus rankings, where six different people on their staff actually do rankings, and you get a consensus ranking. So you get a pretty good feel for what uh, some of the die-hard analysts, such as myself, and perhaps such as you, uh, do uh, how they rank their players. And so I like to compare mine with theirs. And so if you listen to the podcast two weeks ago, I talked about the differences that I had with them at the quarterback and the tight end position. Last week, I wrote about the differences and did a podcast on the differences about the running back position. And so this week, this podcast is about the differences that I noticed between my rankings and their rankings at the wide receiver position. I only picked players where there was a difference of 10 spots or more, so, you know, pretty pretty sizable difference that we have. And so I'll talk about, and I also only did it within the top 60 of each of our rankings. So among the top 60 of our rankings, these are players that I have either ranked 10 spots or more higher than they do, or 10 spots or more lower than they do. So it's kind of a way just to say here's some guys I'm definitely higher on or lower on than consensus of other analysts or elite analysts at DLF. All right, so let's jump into it. First, I'm going to give you five players that actually have higher, 10 spots or more higher than the guys at DLF, and then I'll go five players that actually have ranked a lot lower than they do. First up, with ranked higher, is Mike Williams. He's my number 20 wide receiver, while DLF, is that he's their number 31 wide receiver. So my stuff on Mike Williams, you know, after being injured most of his rookie year, uh, he stayed healthy in his second year and increased his workload with the Chargers. Last year, he actually played 62% of the team's snap behind Keenan Allen, who had 79%, and Terrell Williams had 76%, so definitely behind those guys. But now, of course, we know that Terrell Williams has signed with Oakland, and so that gives Mike Williams... Really a great chance to increase his role to get at least to that 76% snap like uh, Terrell Williams had last year. He was really consistent throughout the year and really broke out near the end of the year, averaging more than six targets per game during the last six games of the year, including the playoffs. I certainly remember that because (laughs) I remember losing in in week 15 of a playoff game when he had a two-touchdown game. So he was definitely hot near the end of the year. Um, I feel like he's really ready for the typical you know, wide receiver, still kind of the trend of the third year breakout. I feel like he's right on the verge of that. And here's why I think I probably actually have him ranked higher than they do. And you'll hear this when I talk about someone I have ranked lower because I disagree for a very similar reason later. I just feel like the biggest upside to Mike Williams is he's a much better red, red zone threat than Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen always struggles to score. He, you know, he's a great PPR monster. I own him in tons of my leagues because I love him so much. But the fact is that he's not really the best red zone wide receiver. But Mike Williams is. He's that big body, the big frame that can score in the red zone. Now, granted, Hunter Henry is coming back, and this could cause some red zone target competition, but I'm not too worried about that. I feel like Mike Williams, who scored 10 touchdowns last year, could easily do the same this year and add to that the fact that he's going to be playing more and he's definitely going to have more targets and more receptions. So the Chargers offense is also going to be one of the best in the league. Last year they were the sixth highest scoring team and I feel like they're just getting better and better. All the parts are in place and I wish I owned Mike Williams. I actually don't own him in any of my leagues, which is crazy. I think it's largely because I probably have Keenan Allen in most of my leagues and I only can... Ford maybe you could say to roster one I definitely usually don't like to roster two wide receivers on two different teams second player that I'm higher on than the guys at DLF is Robbie Anderson wide receiver for the Jets uh, I have him as my 23 ranked wide receiver while DLF has him as their 45th ranked wide receiver that's crazy That's a 22 spot difference 22 spot difference in our rankings so it did. It did take some time for uh, rookie quarterback Sam Darnold to build a connection with Robbie Anderson, but you saw it at the end of the year. They were connecting well. After the Jets' bye week, Robbie was targeted more than eight times a game and helped his fantasy owners win, uh, win Super Bowls with a twenty-seven point fantasy showing in Week Number Sixteen in our Super Bowls. So so far, he he has a you know in his young career, he's proven to be more of a boom bust wide receiver. I'm not going to argue that he's not going to stay more of a boom bust. Um, He'll have three- and four-point weeks, and then he'll have these bust-out, you know, 20-point weeks. So he wins with speed and big plays, and that's why, really, I love to have him as a wide receiver number three on my team, especially if it's a league that requires three starting wide receivers because I love to have steady Eddie, you know, guys that you know are going to get targeted like crazy as wide receiver one and two, and then have that third wide receiver spot be this boomer bust type of receiver. I feel like that's a perfect role for Robbie Anderson to play, and I have him ranked, obviously, way higher than the guys at DLF. Um, I backed it up with actions because I do have him in several leagues. In fact, I drafted him as my number three wide receiver behind Julio Jones and Brandon Cooks in my recent FFPC startup draft. Now, you can read about that on my website or go back to the podcast to hear my um, my grading of that draft. But you can see that I picked him up as my number, number three wide receiver in that league that starts two wide receivers and has two flex positions. So he's going to be in every week flex for me, I believe, in that league. There has been a coaching change in New York. Uh, you have to admit that, and that Adam Gaze is known to kind of bring fantasy players down with by his coaching style. I will admit that. However, at the same time, Gaze and the GM there, the revolving you know GM voices that they're in New York, they've already spoken really well of Anderson's play in OTAs and then also on film. Gaze, you know, spoke highly of what he saw in film. Uh, just kind of getting there as a new coach and looking back at how uh, Anderson had played already. Darnell is also a great improvisational quarterback, which can lead to many broken plays, resulting in the long touchdown passes, and Robbie is going to be the recipient of those passes in the coming year. Um, his highest, the highest single DLF analyst, so there's six of them, you know, you get the consensus ranking, the very highest on him, ranked him number 35, whereas I have him number 23. That's a pretty, uh, pretty big difference there. So clearly I do, uh, disagree with DLF on this one. Third guy that I'm actually higher on than the guys at DLF is Dante Pettis. He's my number 26 wide receiver. DLF ranks him as their number 36 receiver. So we've got a 10 point or 10 spot difference. I was higher on Pettis than most anyone in last year's rookie draft. Two years ago, rookie draft. Um, I had and I loved him more than most, but certainly not more than Matt Waldman. If you follow Matt Waldman, he had him ranked as his number one rookie in the 2018 class. And so with Waldman's endorsement, that should obviously count for something because he's so good at what he does i've continued to have him higher ranked higher than most all of the other analysts even though he didn't quite prove himself until the end of last season it really was his last five games of the year that he played the last five games he played he had averaged 14 fantasy points a game i believe that he will be the highest targeted wide receiver in san francisco uh, that said notice i said wide receiver not pass catcher because kittle will be the most targeted i'm sure but beyond that i really do believe it will be Pettus. i love debo samuel I, don't, I just don't think that he's going to come in and take the targets from a guy who's already been in, uh, in the NFL for a year and under this uh, offense for a year. Again, I, my, I back it up with my words because I did draft him in my recent FFPC uh, startup draft, and I own him in several other leagues, and I've been trying like crazy to trade for him this offseason, but I must not be offering enough because I can't pry him away from my owners. Uh, shout out to Dave Brown. My buddy Dave Brown has him in several leagues, and I can't quite pry him away from Brown. Uh, We think a lot alike, so he values them as well. Uh, Players uh, who stand out on special teams in college get a significant bump in value for me, and Pettis holds the college record for returning nine punts for touchdowns. I just think he's really ready for a breakout year. If he could stay healthy, had he stayed healthy the whole start of the year, I think we would have had him way higher ranked than this. So I think this is the year that he's going to prove it. Um, He's a year into the NFL, so he's he's used to it. He's used to Shanahan's offense, and plus he gets a starting quarterback. You know, Last year he was doing this all with backup quarterbacks, so when Garoppolo comes back, I think he's got a breakout year that's coming. It's coming this year. I think he can bank on it. My fourth player that I have ranked higher than DLF is D.D. Westbrook. My wide receiver that I have ranked higher than DLF is D.D. Westbrook. D.D. is another third-year breakout candidate for me. Um, I feel like he showed really well last year, particularly given that he was on a run-first offense, uh, definitely run-first offense there, and had a really horrible uh, quarterback play. Even so, he caught 66 passes. He was targeted 101 times. He had 717 yards and five touchdowns. So, again, he did this with a very conservative offensive coordinator and a bad quarterback. The changes at offensive coordinator with John Filippo will mean more passing. Like, this is what really excites me about Westbrook's upside, apart from just that I've been really high on his talent. Like, I feel like he's been a, been a breakout. But to add these changes at Filippo, if you remember, Filippo was fired at Minnesota last year, largely because he was throwing the ball too much. So... We've got that combined, you know, him coming over to Jacksonville. He's going to throw the ball more. We've got that, plus this change of quarterback that now Nick Foles will come in to be the uh, the pass thrower there, to be the quarterback there uh, for Westbrook. And if you remember, Filippo, the new offensive coordinator, was the quarterback coach for Foles in Philadelphia when they had their Super Bowl runs. So Filippo knows Foles well, and I think he'll know how to maximize his value. Uh, so I love all the coaching and the situational changes that are happening there. I think that D.D. Dee is clearly the best wide receiver in Jacksonville. I love, too, uh, anyone who had it was a great receiver in college because he did win the Bolitnikoff Award for the nation's best wide receiver. Uh, there's a huge uh, uh, bump up in people's value, like the Bolitnikoff winners reg- rarely bust in the NFL. And so I believe that D.D. really is going to have his uh, breakout year once he's given the opportunity. I don't think he'll ever move into the you know wide receiver number two reign, but I could see him being a wide receiver three for our teams and an every week starter where we can start three wide receivers. Fifth and final guy that I have ranked higher uh, than the guys at DLF is Marquez Valdez Scantling. MDS, we'll just refer to him that way for the rest of the time here. Uh, I have him ranked as my number 47 wide receiver, where DLF has him ranked as their number fifty-seven. So definitely reports have been all over the place, you know, those little OTA reports that we got were all over the place, Um, but it seems to be kind of a steady drumbeat that's taking place to use the uh, football guy's term, like a real steady drumbeat that that Valdell Scantling is going to be the outside receiver and that um, Allison is actually going to be, Geronimo Allison is going to be the one that moves inside to the slot. And so I really believe this is what's going to happen. I feel like uh, NVS broke out at the middle in the middle of last year. He had this really great stretch of uh, play that really moved him up in our rankings and everyone was going after him. Uh, but then he fell into what we now know is probably Aaron Rodgers' doghouse. So the whole Green Bay vibe was messed up from like the midpoint of the season to this dreadful end of the season. And I think it really remains to be seen whether the coaching changes in Green Bay will result in an attitude change. But if you uh, read uh, Bleacher Report's kind of scathing article that they wrote about kind of the culture that was taking place in Green Bay – It just was a pretty toxic environment, and and Rodgers contributing to the toxicity by actually not throwing MVS the ball just because he didn't like that he was running the coach's routes rather than doing what Aaron Rodgers told him to do. So, man, I'm hoping that this coaching change will create a different culture there, that Rodgers will stop being a baby and will uh, buy into this new offense and target, who I really think is the second most talented receiver there in Green Bay. Of course, no one compares to Devontae Adams, but... MVS, I believe, is really going to step up to be the number two, and Aaron Rodgers, the type of guy that can make a number two quarterback, I mean, number two receiver, and every week starter for us. And So, I've only got him up at 47, largely because I'm not sure about Lafleur becoming the head coach there, and Rodgers' attitude, and if he's going to give a cold shoulder to receiver for whatever reason. Um, otherwise, I think I'd have MVS ranked quite a bit higher. So, little suspect on some of the changes that are taking place there, but pure talent, I would have him ranked much higher than I do. All right, now let's move to the guys that actually have ranked lower. So these are guys that uh, the DLF guys ranked much higher than I did. First is Nikhil Harry. Uh, I have him as my number 35 wide receiver, while DLF has him all the way up to number 18. So a 17 spot difference in our rankings. Now this may be um, more because of my rankings philosophy. With very few exceptions, I do not rank uh, rookie wide receivers high until they've proven something. I mean, they're not, at least not that high, like into the 18 range. I feel like there's too many variables at wide receiver that can contribute to a a rookie wide receiver's downfall. The learning curve is much harder uh, for wide receivers than it is for running backs, you know. Uh, Their success is tied too closely to a quarterback, so they can't just do it on their own based on pure talent. There's the factor that their success is tied to the quarterback. And the fact that the college passing game doesn't compare well to the NFL passing game. And so all those things make me always a little bit more hesitant to move a wide receiver up. I'm not saying that I wouldn't draft one in the first round of a rookie draft or anything like that because then you're, you know, comparing rookies to rookies. But to move rookie wide receivers uh, vastly ahead, you know, like this one in the case of DLF here, moving him to number 18, so you're already ranking him as a starting, you know, you rank him as a top 24 wide receiver for you I just can't do that with rookies now Harry was my number two rookie in the draft so don't think that I don't like him I just had him just behind AJ Brown this last year um, but I can't move him ahead of guys like in my rankings I've got Cups and Woods and Landry Corey Davis Ridley Watkins um, all of them ranked ahead of the guys um, ranked ahead of Nikhil Harry and I don't think I could ever move him ahead of those guys who have already proven something in the NFL let, uh, add to that the fact that we don't know that Brady is likely not going to play more than, you know, one or two more years. And so whatever next quarterback comes in at New England is uh, radically going to affect the play because receivers play is so tied to their quarterback. I do believe that Harry's a huge talent, but I'm unsure that he has what it takes to be a star in this offense after Brady retires. So I can't rake him as high as that. 35 for me, 18 for DLF. Next guy, this one's going to be a little more controversial. that I have uh, ranked lower than DLF is Chris Godwin. Uh, I have him ranked number 31 wide receiver, where DLF has him ranked 21, so 10-spot difference there. Godwin might be the most hyped player this offseason, so I think the hope of Bruce Arians coming in and revamping that offense has led to a lot of optimism, lots of hope, lots of hype, and I feel like in some ways it's actually gone too far. Um, I see him much like I see Robbie Anderson. He's a great wide receiver three. If you have a three, you know, have to start three in your leagues because he's one of those boom bust players. That's that's kind of how he's going to play. Um, Anderson. When and I will go back to Robbie Anderson, the thing that's different about him because I actually have these things swapped. Like I have Robbie Anderson twenty three, where they have uh, where they have uh, Godwin up at twenty one. The thing though with Robbie Anderson is Robbie Anderson's the pre- presumed number one wide receiver whereas Godwin will never be the number one in Tampa Bay while Mike Evans is there. So I have not ranked in the wide receiver three ter- territory at number 31, where DLF has not ranked as the wide receiver two territory at number 21. And I just don't believe that he'll ever move into the wide receiver two level. Don't get me wrong, I like him, but I just don't think he'll ever become a top 24 uh, dynasty wide receiver. So the differences in our rankings, like I said, are almost the exact opposite of how I see Mike Williams. Um, When I talked about my differences that I had with Mike Williams, the difference for me is that Mike Williams can be a better red zone target uh, than Keenan Allen. And so where I don't think Mike Williams is ever going to supplant Keenan Allen as the top receiver there with the L.A. LA Chargers, I do uh, believe that he can score more touchdowns than Keenan Allen, whereas I don't believe that's the case with Godwin. Godwin is a great red zone threat, but not near as good as Mike Evans um, and perhaps even O.J. Howard if they start using him better. So, which is why I have him ranked as as a uh, wide receiver number three at 31 and could never move him up into the wide receiver two range for me. Third player that I'm lower on than the guys at DLF is DK Metcalf. Um, I have him ranked as my number 41 wide receiver, while DLF has him ranked as their number 27 wide receiver. I won't go into it again, but here we go again with the rookies. So so all the points that I made regarding Nikhil Harry apply to DK Metcalf as to why I don't move uh, rookie wide receivers up that much. Um, I have a lot more proven players, like even his teammate Lockett. I have Tyler Boyd, I have Will Fuller, Christian Kirk, Alshon Jeffrey, and Pettis ranked ahead of Metcalf. Um, I had Metcalf as my number three uh, wide receiver in the rookie draft this year, so I, I, it's not that I'm not high on him. I actually moved him up uh, based on his landing spot because I, I love where he landed in Seattle while being a run-first team I feel like one of the other things that they do well is they really learn how to target big wide receivers and tight ends in the end zone. They've shown that they could do that back when Jimmy Graham was there. Um, So I thought I was actually a lot higher on Metcalf than many of the doubters because there are so many doubters given his kind of profile changes, particularly with his um, way that he did in his combine, the the things that he did excellent, the things that he did poorly. So I thought I was actually higher on him. I moved him up after he got drafted by Seattle. But I was surprised to see this, that they had him ranked all the way up to number 27. And I've got him at 41, so I just can't rank him that high both as a rookie um, and as a uh, prospect when there's these proven guys. Like I said, Lockett, Boyd, Fuller, Kirk, Jeffrey, Pettis, all ahead of him in my rankings for sure. And the next guy that I have uh, ranked lower than the guys at DLF is James Washington. I have him as my number 56 wide receiver, while DLF has him as their number 41 wide receiver, so 15-spot difference there. Um, I, I was higher on uh, than most analysts on Washington you know, in last year's rookie draft, so two years ago's rookie draft and 2018 rookie draft. But the offseason moves made by Pittsburgh have made me question their confidence in him. So trading Antonio Brown certainly, like, boosted Washington's dynasty value. I saw a couple trades go down for him shortly after he was uh, – Brown was traded, so his, his value spiked there. But I feel like a free agency in the draft have made me realize that Pittsburgh may – uh, really made the Brown trade not so much because they believed in what they had behind Brown in Pittsburgh but really just simply because he wore out his welcome in Pittsburgh which is certainly understandable they just wanted to get rid of him I don't think that it spoke to the confidence that they had in Washington and then uh, I do believe it does speak to the confidence they lo- have in Juju for sure like they the trade proved that they love Juju but then free agency and the draft proved that they questioned the guys behind Juju uh, they picked Dante Moncrief in free agency, and then they drafted Deontay Johnson in the third round. So I think the wide receiver two position in Pittsburgh is really up for grabs, and the news that came out of OTAs and other people uh, speculated that Moncrief, whom I've always liked, was doing much better at OTAs, and it caused me to move Washington down when I heard that news and move Moncrief up a bit. Um, long-term, James Washington, you know, definitely is the better, you know, prospect long-term, but for this year... Um, I think it's too much of a mess to have Washington ranked as high as the DLF people do there, ranking him 41, whereas I have him ranked number 56. Finally, the last guy on my list is Cortland Sutton. Uh, I have him ranked a lot lower than the guys at DLF. DLF ranks him number 30, whereas I rank him number 48. They rank him number 30, and I have him 48, so we've got an 18-spot difference. That's pretty big. So part of this is because I was not as high on Sutton, uh, Sutton rather, uh, coming into last year's rookie draft, and I think I just remained lower on him you know, throughout his rookie year. So I just wasn't as high on him compared to others who were drafting him as their top you know, two or three receiver in last year's draft. I saw a lot of times where he was just paired right there um, with DJ Moore, and I just had him ranked much further down as a rookie. And so he didn't really do anything his rookie year to make me change my opinion of him. I still have second-year players like Anthony Miller and MVS, and Christian Kirk ahead of him. So the guys that are kind of in his class, there's already several of them that I like more than Sutton. And I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun Hamilton becomes Flacco's primary uh, target in Denver ahead of Sutton. Uh, Hamilton outsnapped Sutton the last five weeks of the season after Emmanuel Sanders went down with injuries. So Sanders went down with that injury, and then the next five weeks, Hamilton actually saw more snaps than Sutton did. Now, there's a new coaching staff there in Denver. Um, they that, could be a good thing or a bad thing, but one thing it usually means is they don't care about the differences in the draft capital between Sutton and Hamilton. They'll come in with fresh eyes and make decisions as they see best. Um, I must just uh, just be way lower on him than than others because I have Sutton ranked number 48 in my overall wide receiver rankings, and Hamilton is really close to him at 53. DLF, however, has Sutton ranked number 30, and Hamilton ranked 58. So they've got a 28-spot difference between those receivers where I'm just not so sure that Hamilton can't become the number one. I have them much closer with Sutton at 48 and Hamilton at 53, so just five spots different. Clearly, I see it as a much closer uh, battle for the number one wide receiver spot there in Denver. So that's going to be a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, As always, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Freaks at DynastyFreaks.com. That's DynastyFreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so you can email me at DynastyFreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Uh, I have been building the website and the podcast for about a year now. Like I said, we're celebrating episode number 50. Uh, my real goal was to develop a year's worth of content before promoting the website. I did this for two reasons. One was to get better through practice, but two, and more, I think this is more importantly, I wanted to have a year's worth of verifiable, contestable content on the site so that you could see for yourself Whether my dynasty takes are generally right or wrong, you can go back and look and date all the things that I've said, all the things that I've written, and go back and look. Of course, we're all going to hit and miss on some things. It is fantasy football, of course, but I hope that you'll test me and see that I can be your most trustworthy, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Now that I have about a year of verifiable content, contestable content on the website, I am starting to promote the website, and you could do me a big help by rating and reviewing uh, the podcast on iTunes. I'll read those if you do. This last week we didn't have anyone that uh, rated and reviewed. We do have six rates, of, uh, six five-star ratings and three reviews. would love to have another review and another rating uh, up there on iTunes. Anyway, thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin.